July 24th, there is an epic cancer benefit for a good buddy, Zach Pulaski. There will be, man, there's going to be seven, eight bows raffled and auctioned off, arrows, sights, guns, fishing gear and fishing trips and cabin stays and ice fishing trips. There's literally everything possible for any outdoor enthusiast. Um, it'll be in Superior, Wisconsin at the Belgium Club starting at four o'clock. There'll be silent auctions, live auctions, raffle tickets, uh, live music, food, drinks, just a great time. It all starts at 4 p.m. on Saturday, July 24th. Thank you for tuning into the First Gen Hunter podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey everybody, sorry it's been so long again, I know, I keep using the same old excuse, but it is a time of transition, hopefully you saw the Facebook post, if not yet, another reminder, follow First Gen Hunter on Facebook, it's literally that simple, just type it in there, First Gen Hunter, right into the search bar on Facebook and you'll find the page and you can get all those important updates. Now, no promises, but uh, hopefully... uh, over the course of the next maybe three weeks or so things will start to level out a little bit better but uh we got a lot of work to do on that new house so again no promises but i hope you feel that your weight has been rewarded our last episode episode number 61 with daniel casey of casey arms has been quite popular and uh man i really enjoyed listening to that one uh even though uh (laughs) You know, I'm the one who records them and, and edits them. But when you have just a really good guest, you know, they're the ones that get the credit, not me. But anyways, this is another one that I think you're going to feel was worth the wait. Um, just an interesting story how this all came together. Uh, long story short, through Brad Luttrell, yes, guest on, I believe it was episode 40 or 41. I think it was 40. Uh Brad Luttrell of Go Wild, one of the co-founders of Go Wild, he uh, linked me up with the guest of this episode, Mr. Zach Pulaski of Northwest Wisconsin. We're going to talk all about where Zach is from. He's going to fill us in on the details from a habitat standpoint, from a wildlife standpoint. You guys know I can't help myself from getting all those nitty-gritty details. Yeah, I'm kind of a... uh, uh, obsessed with that kind of information but anyways he's going to fill us all in about that part of the world what makes it unique what makes it a challenging but rewarding place to hunt and how he prefers to hunt it but you're also going to hear a really i don't know how to say it i'm gonna i'll I'll tell you this much i have i have teared up multiple times while editing this this podcast this episode um, it's a it's an emotional story. It's a story that's still ongoing, um, and it's a reminder that uh, there's a lot more to hunting than just the act of hunting itself. Um, this whole show was made possible by a strong hunting community that takes care of each other, and um, you know if you're sitting. 
kind of on the edge of hunting. You know, I was talking to a guy just the other day who uh, runs a fishing podcast and he, uh, through email and said that he'd been wanting to try hunting sometime soon. And, and, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't sure when that was going to happen. And I just, you know, encouraged him, Hey man, it's life changing. Jump on it. If that's you, this is one of those ways that's life changing. It opens the door up to a whole new community of people. Sure. Some aren't so great, but everyone on this episode is, and, um, you know, you can have a part of that if you, uh, decide to, to start hunting or following the hunting community around and, uh, participating in that way. So, uh, it's, it's a great thing, but the reason this story is emotional is because it's talking about not just our guest as a hunter, but as a person who is fighting for each day in his war, I'm not even going to say battle. I'm going to say war with cancer. He has faced so many incredible and seemingly insurmountable challenges. In fact, I think to nine out of 10 people, they probably would be insurmountable because Zach has such a will to survive and a will to pursue what he loves, his family and his life outdoors. He, he just, he keeps winning battles within this war and he's still here. He was here to record this and, uh, uh, He's still fighting to this day, fighting tooth and nail, and he's doing a lot better. Um, but, but he, he, you know, he still has some some steep battles ahead of him. So, um, if you're listening to this, pay close attention to to Zach's story, but also be reminded to say a prayer for Zach, you know, and uh, his family, and consider how we need to get our priorities straightened out and uh, make each moment of our lives count and uh, really consider where our lives stand in the scope of eternity. And um, yeah, it's, it's a sobering story, but a great story. One of a lot of courage and strength and uh, perseverance, determination. I don't think you could say enough nice things. And speaking of saying enough nice things as a special surprise to Zach at the very end of this episode, so after we play the normal music, after take care and take someone hunting, um, there will be a little segment there where uh, Zach's friends share some great hunting stories and uh, some good laughs and some some just uh, great words of of encouragement and uh, uh, just uh, you know really shows the tight community that Zach and his hunting buddies share up there in uh, Wisconsin and. Um, I think you all will really enjoy listening to that, but uh, the main thing here is that's for you, Zach, <laughs> and, uh, and and your friends, your friends and family, of course, and uh, they were gracious enough to participate in that. So uh, you got to wait, though. It's kind of like uh, seeing your Christmas presents after everyone brings or after your parents bring them out to the Christmas tree when you're a kid. You got to wait for Christmas. Well, I suppose you could skip ahead and listen to that part if you wanted to, but then you'd miss all the other good stuff. So uh, that'll be at the end. Also different with this episode, just because of the different nature, I'm not going to run the normal ads. I'm also not going to run a tip of the day. Actually, Zach provides you with several tips of the day here on hunting the early season. And so uh, you'll catch those at the end. But um, just please remember to uh, check out the Black Ovis and Campbellfire links that I have in the show notes. Make sure you use those links. That helps me, helps support me. Also, uh, please be sure to um, 
visit Alex Gruen over at alexgruen.com. Check him out for some hunt planning information. There isn't a better person in the business to do that for you than Alex. So make sure you give him some attention. Don't forget the code, the code first gen 10. That's also in the show notes on this episode. So uh, you can get yourself a little discount and again, help me out a little bit as well. And finally, please uh, make sure if you haven't yet leave a review on iTunes. What that does is that helps bring more attention to this podcast. Gets great stories like Zach's out there more, the higher the rating I have, the more leverage I get. So please, if you have not yet done that, please go on over there. Hey, and I would leave you a five-star review. Okay. So, you know, it's kind of like when we grade each other in class, you know, back in the school days, you always give your partner a 10 so that they give you a 10. So I would give you as a listener a five-star review. So it's only fair and right. I'm just kidding, but seriously, you know, five stars, that'd be great. Anyways, this isn't about me. This is about an excellent hunter, a legendary hunter, Mr. Zach Pulaski. Thank you so much to everyone who participated in this one. Thank you so much to you for listening in. Don't forget about the benefit on the 24th. And please don't forget about the GoFundMe link found in the show notes here on this episode. Without any further ado, episode number 62, The Legend of Douglas County, an interview with Mr. Zach Pulaski. Enjoy. Well, everybody, it's official. I am recording the first podcast from my not old house. Yep. I am actually (laughs) in uh, my parents' house and uh, we have to stay with my parents for several weeks. As you know, we're rewiring the new farmhouse that we're moving into. And uh, yes, that is as big of a task as it sounds. Yep. Fishing wires up ancient old uh, walls. And uh, cutting yeah. holes all over the place and that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a process to say the least. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, I am uh, camped out here at my parents who were kind enough to uh, let me do so. And uh, so you, you may have kind of a little bit different sound. You might hear more dogs barking. Um, my sister is over here with her kids. And so there are uh, five kids under the age of seven ro- ro- roving the house right now. So there may be a few <laughs> interruptions, <laughs> but uh, you know what? It's just good to kind of take a break from the craziness a little bit. Get on here with my good buddy, Brandon, and mm-hmm. our uh, special guest tonight, Mr. Zach Pulaski of Northwest Wisconsin. Brandon and Zach Thank you, fellas, for uh, jumping on and giving me a little break from uh, the the mayhem <laughs> that surrounds me right now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's it's our pleasure. And, you know, uh, talking about hunting and the outdoors and all that's always uh, a bit of reprieve. But it sounds like we're giving you an extra special blessing tonight, Kent. So we're, we're happy to help out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it is like you, you just get into this mode where you're just like, doing the next task. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, yep. um, actually there's this, well, I don't even have to really introduce them that thoroughly because if you've been listening to the show long enough, 
I believe it was episode, I want to say 49, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, episode 49. We had Jeff Reed come on and uh, give us an education about archery equipment. So our yep. guest tonight probably could have probably could have uh, done it, and maybe you will in the future, do a similar talk for us because I know Zach's kind of an archery nut as well. But uh, Jeff mm-hmm. invited me out to his place, tuned my bow for me, uh, let me try out some of his uh, fancy arrows that he makes himself, nice. and uh, mm-hmm. I got an order in with him. He's going to build me. Uh, 12 arrows, six for practice and, uh, six for hunting this fall. And, nice. uh, I, I gotta say it was super relaxing to get out, even though there's like a million other things I could be doing right now that would probably be more responsible. It just felt <laughs> really good to get out and shoot arrows. And then the cherry on top is coming home and uh, getting to talk hunting. So I really yes. do mean it as a, uh, as a reprieve, but that is a long drawn out way. You guys are sick of hearing me talk. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's uh, dive into tonight a little bit. But as I said, we are joined by Zach Pulaski of Northwest Wisconsin. Uh, Zach, uh, the nickname that I've heard has been given to you is uh, yeah. the Douglas County legend. Is that accurate for where you uh, reside now, or have you drifted a little bit from your uh, home hunting grounds? No, I I live in Douglas County, Wisconsin, and um, that nickname came from my buddy Jimmy Glazier, who's the guy that ended up contacting me. He just saw that I was shooting some nice deer and started calling me a legend, and before he knew it, it was the Douglas County legend. Man, that, <laughs> that's awesome. That, that's that's an awesome nickname. And you know what? Everybody needs a friend like Jimmy. Somebody that builds you up mm-hmm. and uh, you know, give helps you helps you uh, feel a little bit better about yourself. And you know, I gotta say, from cruising around on your uh, Instagram, Zach, uh, he's right. You do uh, have a few slobs hanging up there on your uh, basement wall. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe one of these days I'll be able to make it up your way and, and uh, you can uh, show them to me in person because they are, it is an impressive lineup of deer that you've been slaying up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I appreciate that. And you're, you're pumping like Jimmy does. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just strive, you know, we we need to all try to be more like Jimmy, right? No doubt. Building up uh, those around us for sure. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, yeah, another reason I say that we all need a friend like Jimmy is because, as Zach has said, Jimmy's really the reason this episode is happening. And uh, this brings in another former podcast guest, uh, our good friend Brad Luttrell over at Go Wild, which little plug for Go Wild. If you are not using Go Wild yet, you need to go get your head examined first. And, uh, then you need to, uh, go and, uh, go to the app store, download the time to go wild app, or you probably just type in go wild and it would pop right up. And they just, uh, did like a new, they just released a new version of it. And, uh, that, uh, new version is really slick, but anyways, Jimmy reached out to Brad and, uh, he wanted somebody that could tell or help tell rather Zach's story as the Douglas County legend. This just this guy who's, who's really done an incredible job of hunting. Who's, you know, figured out how to get it done on a regular basis and not just, you know, 
a quantity thing, but a quality uh, type of, of skill. He's hitting uh, mature bucks with his bow on a regular basis. And, um, you know, as, as Jimmy said, that, that stood out to him, obviously. But then he also mentioned how Zach has been a mentor for him, a mentor for Jimmy. And uh, then he brought up this third huge part of uh, Zach's story. And that is uh, Zach is in the middle of a war with cancer. And uh, I believe uh, if I, if I'm counting months correctly, Zach, has it been like what? 17 months, maybe 16, 17 months. Yeah. Yeah, 17 months. So, so, uh, March of 2020, right? And, uh, um, just, uh, kind of got some, some really rough news there. And we'll, we'll go into that here in a little bit. But, but, uh, Jimmy wanted somebody to tell Zach's story. And, uh, Brad was kind enough to, uh, uh, link me up with these guys and, uh, with, with Jimmy and Zach. And we hashed out a plan, of course, with Brandon as well. And, um, we wanted to tell a story, but you know, uh, one of the, the, there's a lot of compelling things in that email that Jimmy sent. And, um, uh, you know, uh, it, it might tick Jimmy off, but I could uh, send you that email, Zach. He said a lot of nice things about you, <laughs> but, uh, mm. but, uh, it's kind of, kind of nice to see that stuff. But, uh, um, one of the things he mentioned in there and Brandon, this will uh, stand out to you is he used the term, yeah. Zach is a killer. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you a little trivia here. I'm going to put you on the spot, Brandon. Uh, do you remember another friend of ours who's uh, been on the show before who uh, described another guest on our show? That's kind of why we heard about him, that we needed to interview him, and he described him as a killer. Do you remember who that is? I I think that was – you're quizzing me here. You're quizzing me. I think that was Heath Rayfield. Yes, it was. Is that right? Yes, you are right okay. on the money, right, buddy. Good, good, good. good. So, All right, good. <laughs> so Noel Gandy, our good buddy Noel down there yes. in uh, uh, Southern Iowa, he mm-hmm. um, he's been on a few times. I just talked to Noel. He's got a funny story about getting uh, uh, nearly attacked by a badger the other day while he was uh, <laughs> scouting. He's probably shooting one of his fancy new uh, like Bowtech commercials or something. I don't know. Noel's getting yeah, Noel's right. getting yeah, out probably. there lately. Make sure you yes. guys are following along with Noel too. But uh, Noel told us he's like, you guys need to talk to my buddy Heath Rayfield. He is a killer. And let me just tell you what, Zach, you've probably never uh, heard of uh, of Heath Rayfield because uh, as a good buddy, another good buddy of mine says, the best hunters out there, you've never heard of them. <laughs> but uh, he's starting to get some traction yeah. too. He's uh, been on Monster Bucks and he's, uh, on, he's with Buck Ventures. Um, so if you haven't heard of him yet, you probably will eventually. But to be kind of classed in with that guy, that's an elite that's a that's an, that's some elite company right there. And uh, again, after looking at your page, I like I'd say it's it's uh, spot on, buddy. Yeah, I like it. I like guys like that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys would hit it off instantly. You gotta. Uh, I'll have to link you guys up because you would really enjoy talking to Heath and and you'd enjoy talking to Noel too. But but uh, they're, they're great guys. And uh, uh, you know, in a, in a way, even though Heath is hunting down south, uh, I'm sure he 
hunts in a in a environment i know they got some ag down there that he hunts on and he does some food plotting and stuff like that but but um it's a lot more similar to uh your part of the world than uh what brandon and i are up to i think so Mm -hmm. he's got some big timber down there in uh north and south carolina where he's hunting but but uh no it's uh it's it's really cool how this all worked out we got to thank jimmy for uh doing that and um uh just really cool how it came together and and uh your nickname is going to be in the title of this this uh, episode here, the Douglas County legend. So let's go ahead and start painting that legend status, which I know you probably feel totally uncomfortable with because you're kind of tooting your own horn there. But uh, (laughs) what, what has been your experience with hunting as far as, you know, growing up with it or, um, you know, did you get introduced to it by, by someone else later on? How did, how did that kind of, come to be in your background uh sure yeah so i i grew up in northeast wisconsin just north of green bay okay and uh my dad my dad is the one that really got me into the hunting and fishing fishing at a younger age and you know once i turned about 11 or 12 he got me into duck hunting and got me shooting a bow got me into rifle hunting a little bit mm-hmm. but that's kind of where it all started and then uh he and my uncles started building a cabin up in Douglas County, Wisconsin, which is on the Northwest corner of the state. And, uh, we started coming up here and that's kind of where I cut my teeth with hunting. And it didn't take long for me to realize that the deer up here were way bigger than the ones back at home. Mm. Oh man. It's a, that's always a good reason to start, uh, setting your sights West. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I mean it's it's truly the whole reason I moved up here is for the bull hunting deer, you know. Yeah. Yep. And that's a good that's a good reason to be there. I got a buddy who um kind of did the same thing and he's been on the show too actually. Man, all these people. I I how did I get so lucky to be uh in the company of so many good people, Brandon? But, right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, lots, lots but, uh, good old Chris Dyer, episode 8. Um he kind of did the same thing. He uh, moved down to uh, Southern Iowa um, from uh, Virginia, I believe. He was kind of doing the same thing. He just he was obsessed with bow hunting, and uh, he saw what everybody was doing out, what they're killing out, you know, in that part of the country. And he chose to move there for the same reasons Zach chose to re- move to the western part of his state. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yep. So uh, yeah, got here. You start you started uh, killing some big bucks, but you know, I think it's important that we we kind of describe this part of the country because it is very different from Iowa, from Delaware, from you know Kansas. You know, some of these areas that that uh, and, and you could even throw in there like Missouri and Illinois. It's it's quite different from some of the traditional you know big buck areas uh, in North America. It's it's. Uh, a lot more forested for one, but you know, I've only been up there the one time that I was telling you about. And if I try to describe the landscape, I don't think I'm going to do it justice. So can you kind of paint a picture for us? What exactly the habitat is like in your part of the, the country? Yeah. So I'll, I'll try to paint a picture the best I can. So Douglas County is in the far Northwest corner of Wisconsin. And we have more public acres in this County than, any other county in the state. I'm, mm, I'm nice. pretty sure. 
And so, you know, my house is about, as a crow flies, maybe 10 miles from Lake Superior. Okay. And from here, from here to the lake, um, it kind of gradually slopes down and we call that the clay country. So there's a lot of popple and there's farm fields, but they don't really grow much. You know, they just kind of hay everything. So we don't have mm-hmm. like, we don't have farm fields, maybe a little soybeans, um, and then as you go south of here, it's kind of what we call sand country. You know, we have a lot of pines and a lot of swamps mixed into and a lot of a lot of big timber too. Yeah. Wisconsin's an interesting state to me. Actually, Brandon and I, we both attended college in Wisconsin, which is how we uh we, we got to know each other and for, for doing this podcast. But um we were down in south, I guess you'd probably classify it as kind of south central, maybe maybe a little bit closer to the southwest uh, part of the state uh, in Watertown, Wisconsin is where we were at. It, it's a totally different feel in that part of the state than up where, where you're at. But, mm-hmm. you know, now that I live and I, and I grew up in the area that I, I'm living in right now, um, people would talk about when I was a kid, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to go up to Door County for the, the weekend. Or we're going to go up to Eagle River. Or we're going to go up to... Uh, uh, Bayfield or, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I think from like a historical tourism, you know, state of describing Wisconsin, when people were talking about going to Wisconsin all the time, I think that's kind of the picture everybody had in their mind is the area that you're describing, you know, huge, huge, like, you know, one of the great lakes right in your backyard, all this timber, you know, this, some of these, you know, like things like, we definitely have swamps down here, but they're a totally different type of swamp than what you would describe, you know, as, as mm-hmm. being up there. And, you know, these really crystal clear streams and rivers, you know, you're, you're, uh, catching musky that haven't been stocked in some little, uh, cul-de-sac neighborhood lake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a wild place and, uh, mm-hmm. to- totally different than down here. So I think that that's really cool, um, that, that you're, uh, doing that up there. Now, uh, I gotta know what's the deer population like in your neck of the woods up there? Is it, is it pretty thick with deer kind of like down in the Southern part of the state or are they much more spread out because of all the habitat? You know, it's, it's really strange. There's, you know, I always say there's like pockets of deer. So there's areas in the County that have a really good population and areas, you know, in South or West side of the County that are really decimated from, you know, whether you want to say it's from hunters or predators or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to even find a deer down there. Hmm. But like I said, areas, if you, if you keep at it, you can usually find some pretty nice bucks. Sure. Sure. Now has your, has your County experienced the, uh, chronic wasting disease issues that Southwestern Wisconsin has been battling for a while now? No, no, not yet. That's great. Is, and, and do you do you think it's just because the deer can spread out a little bit more up there? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think it's making its way north. I think it'll be here at some point, but I think sure. we're doing okay right now. Yeah, that's good. I know it's kind of that's kind of in I don't know what the last ten years or so kind of muddied the water yeah. on on deer hunting in Wisconsin. You know, it used to used to kind of be the the place to go for, to kill a deer. Yeah, 
you know, and, and, uh, like I said, Southwestern Wisconsin, especially has just really been dealing with, with that, uh, horrific disease. Um, but hopefully, uh, like you said, hopefully you guys can keep staying clean up there in the, the Northern part of the state and, and, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy deer hunting like you always have. So that's great. Now I got to ask, and Brandon knows what I'm going to ask here because of my obsession. How is, <laughs> how is the shed hunting up your way, Zach? Oh man, it used to be a lot better than what it is. Oh really? I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I started shed hunting maybe 15 years ago and you know, I, I do okay. I'd find maybe like 10, my best year was 27. Oh, and then nice. in recent years, it's been three, five, you know, it's been pretty tough. Sure. Unless you're really feeding bucks in the winter, you don't have a very good chance of finding a whole lot of them. Mm, oh, there's man. not, not around when they're shedding. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. tough. It's, it's, you know, Southern Wisconsin or something. It's, it's a different world for sure. Yeah. All right, so maybe I maybe I should hold off on uh, you know raiding your uh, secret shed hunting ground up there in uh, Northwest Wisconsin. <laughs> but I I uh, I uh, do have some desire though to to go up to that part of the country and do a little uh, moose shed hunting. Do you guys have any moose in your part of Wisconsin? I always wonder that. Do they ever do they ever cross the uh, state boundary from Minnesota? No, we've we've got a we've got a small elk population, but no ah. moose. But there are across the border into Minnesota and go maybe an hour north, and you'll start getting into some moose. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Have you ever? Uh, well, are you? I don't think moose hunting is open in Minnesota, is it? Not anymore. No, no. Mm. That's that's too bad. You know, I I wonder how far they are away from. Uh, being able to restore that if, or if, although I think moose are kind of hurt, hurting pretty much all throughout, uh, North America, except for, I have heard, I think it was Garrett Fike that told us this, Brandon, that North Dakota yep. kind of has a, uh, a stable yeah. or growing moose population. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, hopefully that'll, that'll, that'll change for these other parts of the country. Yeah. I got to think that like, uh, northern wisconsin if if they could get started there that'd be some pretty good habitat yeah for them. yeah right so, but yeah we'll see down the road hopefully well you mentioned elk and that was another thing that jimmy um had talked about now uh, i don't i don't believe uh wisconsin elk hunting has been reinstated yet but uh you have been going west what states have you been uh going to to hunt elk exactly just Colorado. I've been to Colorado uh, about six times, and I've been successful on four of the hunts. So wow. I've had some pretty been, yeah. I mean, there's no place I'd rather hunt for sure. I wish it was closer. Yeah, yeah. that is that is awesome. So, are you doing over yeah. the counter hunts, or are you putting in for for points? How how are you uh, going about that? No, it's it's all been over the counter DIY hunts. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. That's really quick. Cool. You, you usually go with a, with a couple guys. What, how's, what's the scope of things? Yeah. I usually go with, um, you know, two to two to four other guys or so and kind of hunt in pairs and camp together, yeah. like type of thing. Oh, very very cool. cool. Very cool. Man, so, so what's, uh, go ahead, Gat. 
I was just going to say the success rate there, four out of six yeah. times. Man, for DIY over-the-counter hunts, that's pretty good, yeah. man. You you got to, Zach, you got to give us a uh, maybe a quick synopsis of, of your favorite one that you went on. Um, well, the, my favorite one would probably be my biggest one. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was hunting with my buddy, Matt Mackey, and we were halfway up the mountain and it was, there was a bunch of logs kind of falling over the trail and he wanted to go over them left and mm. I wanted to go right and I was leading and I said, <laughs> no, we're going to go right. So we went <laughs> right and I took about five steps and a five by five stood up from a down tree and just looked at us and I, <laughs> I drew back and I said, how far? And I figured he had his range finder ready and he's yeah. like 40 and I'm like, okay. And I, I put my pin on him, just exactly where I was aiming. And, uh, he's like, well, I think he was 40 and he didn't have his range. <laughs> but he was dead. Wow. Was he dead on with the distance? He was dead on with the distance. Yeah. Yeah. I got him. Wow. Nice. That's incredible, man. <laughs> you talk about you talk about you the pressure of the moment to to estimate the distance correctly in a situation like that. I mean that that's big. <laughs> yeah. He, he can you imagine the, the sigh of relief he breathed when you actually hit oh, him? Oh my goodness. Right. <laughs> that saved him from <laughs> that saved him from a life of of uh, never ending shame. Oh, You're man. right, right. Yeah. Never would have let him and move if, it down. If we had, if we had gone left, I know I know that bull would have jumped up and just ran away. Sure. Yeah. Right. Man, the the good Lord was directing you guys. Yeah, but good. A shout out to Matt on that one. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. For picking yeah, the, picking so the cool. distance, man. Yeah. So <laughs> so uh, you know you no longer need a range finder. You just got to bring uh, your buddy Matt with you every time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's pretty cool so uh that's your that's your favorite uh elk story and i almost forgot but we, we need to hear like what is your best deer story it doesn't necessarily mean your biggest deer but like what is your your favorite deer hunt that you uh you've done oh boy there's there's a couple there's the one last year um you know we'll talk about cancer stuff but you know, when I, when I climbed up that, I never had a tree again. And yeah. I, I shot a dandy 11 pointer opening day in the first hour. Wow. But that best story I think was, I was, um, up in a climber in mid November and I was rattling and it was raining and blowing like crazy. And I'm like, this is stupid. The deer can't hear me. <laughs> They're not moving. And I'm like, I'm going to get down and walk back to the truck in the light. So I climbed mm. down, I got to the base of my tree and I hear a buck run and I kind of looked, I'm like, that sounds like a, like a buck and it, it was louder and I'm like, oh crap. So I, I grabbed my bull, which was on the ground, unhooked it, <laughs> got an arrow, turned and off to my right, here comes this 10 pointer running right at me. Oh, oh man. man. I just absolutely froze and he came about three yards behind me running a full sprint. I drew back thinking maybe he'll stop. Yeah. And sure enough, he came out and he stopped at 12 yards and I dropped him. Oh man. Nice. <laughs> Couldn't script that. That is, that is crazy. That is so cool. Wow. That's incredible. So, so he, uh, yeah. he didn't even, he didn't even run. You just like buried him right there. 
yeah, I, I, you know, I put the pin on him, kind of panicked, you know, and I hit him just a little forward and you know, shot him in the spine. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Man. Yeah. Uh, wow. So, you know That's what? Incredible. We, we've talked about this before, Brandon, but yeah, we, we always talk about, oh, you want the perfect heart shot. And yeah, you know, that that's great if that works out that way, but there is something mm-hmm. to be said, you know, when we were talking to, to Joe shed, when he went on his moose hunt up in Alaska and he talked about how yep. he uh, ended up just uh blasting the moose right in the, the spine like that and dropping, yep. dropping this bowl, you know, instantly in it's, in it's tracks. There's, there's something to be said too. You know, we, we sometimes like give, give each other grief about, Oh, you shot him in the neck or whatever, but Hey, if it yeah. gets it done and saves you, uh, Oh my God. Hours. Of- Absolutely. Well, dude, I mean, I mean, when you really think about it, I mean, that's, and, and, you know, we, we all, we probably all know, you know, some gun hunters who, they're just really adept at, they know their weapon. If they have the ability, they're going to, they're going to go for, for a neck shot. You know, that's yeah. not me, but you know, I'm also not as proficient, you know, as, as a lot of those guys are. But I mean, at the end of the day, so many things can happen when a deer runs off, you know, even if yep. you think you've got a, you've got a great shot. I mean, I've, I know I've learned from experience in bow hunting, you know, you, man, you, that shot looked great. But then, man, if you if you have it on video and you're looking at the angles and everything else, I mean, you, you see this, you know, you watch enough uh, hunting videos anyway, you know, a shot that can look really great, man, you look at different angles and all of a sudden eh, that looked a little far back or a little high or whatever. So, I mean, you know what, if you've got that deer on the ground in front of you, that that is a win, you yeah, know, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. definitely. If you, if you hunt long enough, bad things will happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Well said. Yes. Now, now, something that else that's different up in your part of the world, Zach, that I should have thought of earlier to ask you about when we were talking about some of the, the critters you got running around up there. You know, when, when somebody loses a deer in Iowa, the, the fear is, you know, once dark comes, that meat is going to go to uh, the coyotes. But up by you, there's a few other predators up there. Do you ever uh, run into any wolves while you're out hunting? you, you ever hear them or see any? Hear them see them get them on camera you bet all the time really that is that is cool and i imagine it's probably the same thing for bears too probably see a lot of those up there we've got a ton of bears very high bear population and coyotes so i mean you know no no shortage of predators yeah yeah so a wounded deer probably is a uh, hot commodity to a lot of different a lot of different critters up there huh Mm. yeah yeah, I personally haven't lost any to, to coyotes or wolves or whatever, but it does happen. Sure, sure. Now, <clears throat> maybe you don't feel qualified to uh, talk on this, and if that's the case, I can always cut it out. But, you know, I like to also bring in some uh, some current events on occasion here on the show. And uh, that Wisconsin wolf hunt that happened this year is making some waves. Um got any like uh insight for us on that that i I saw something that was put out by uh national geographic i think it was which uh national geographic not huge fans of hunting of any kind um but um they in their article talked about how um you know more wolves ended up being killed than what was planned by game officials, something along that. And they believe that a certain number were poached and uh, basically they were blaming this uh, wolf season that just happened here in the 2020, 2021 uh, hunting season. 
Uh, you got any insight on any of that, Zach? Like maybe your opinion, or if you want, if you dare share that, I know that's a powder keg, but uh, um, like what's what's reality up there with with wolves in Wisconsin, just from what you've observed in the woods? Mm-hmm. I guess I can just speak for Douglas County because that's you know one hundred percent where I'm hunting and spending sure. my time. But they, without a doubt, overpopulated. They do need to be managed. They need to be in check. I think there's a place for them, but you know they can't just go left unchecked. It's just it creates issues with the farmers, with the deer, you know, even people sometimes. So yeah, I think I think the wolf hunt needed to be done. And why did they get to their quota so fast? Well, it's because there's a lot more wolves than what hmm. they think there are. Period. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm. It's, it's good to get that, that boots on the ground perspective. You know, we can read so much about this, watch videos on it, but to somebody who's actually spent as much time in the woods as you have and, and continue to do, um, it's it, you, what you see uh, really matters. Um, you know, you, you meant I, I like the attitude you took there. You're like, I think there's a place for them, but they need to be managed. And for a long time, I had this opinion of you know, if something belongs here, then, you know, if it, if it's a native species, let it be here and leave it alone, you know, um, for, for some of these recovering species, I should say, you know, obviously I'm, I'm all about hunting and stuff like that, but, but, um, I started, somebody posted something. They said, yes, these things belong here or they did belong here at one time. But because we have changed the landscape enough through our human activity, we've done enough development, you know, they start to start to fill up the space that they that they uh, once occupied a little bit more quickly and sometimes a lot a bit more quickly, you know, and, uh, you know, based on our uh, how the landscape has changed since, you know, pre settlement when these things were roaming all over the place. There's just less space for them, and there's more problems that can that can uh, take place if there isn't any kind of management pl- plan in place. And so, yeah, I agree. I think that's the right perspective. You know, sure we we need to have room for them, but we gotta we gotta keep our eye on everything. So, I like that. It's good. Good. Uh, yeah, that came up. So, deer and elk are your main thing. You said you did a little bit of waterfowl hunting when you were a kid. Is there is there anything else that uh, um, you know? as far as hunting goes that you really get into or any, uh, what, or fishing even? Um, yeah, for sure. Turkey hunting, Turkey hunting has been dynamite here the last few mm. years. The population has been pretty well. So um, I do, I do quite a bit of that, you know, do a lot of calling for friends and well, a lot awesome. of kids. Um, I called in, uh, three different toms for three, three youth hunters this year, which was a lot of fun. Oh, that's and really then, cool. Another thing that turns my crank is walleye fishing, no doubt. Oh, nice. Yep. Uh, Wisconsin's like the walleye capital of the world, right? Yeah, it sure feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, of course, you got the musky fishing up there. Have, do you do much musky fishing? No, I'm not much of a musky guy. Sure, because you can't eat them, right? <laughs> yeah. I, my uncle loves it. Give him a hard time. I, I call him trash fish. 
Oh, man. You're probably about the only person on the planet who refers to a musky as a trash fish. That's pretty funny. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so you're a, you're a big uh, catch it and eat it, huh? No, no, no. I, I do mostly catch and release for the oh, walleye. Okay. Okay. Sure. No, that's, uh, yep. I, I love, uh, fishing walleye. I've just done very little of like strict walleye fishing. You know, it's around here on the Mississippi river. You can definitely have some great walleye fishing. Uh, people, uh, like troll past, uh, wing dams and stuff on the Mississippi river. But, um, other than that, you know, there's a few musky lakes here and there, but they're just, they just don't seem to quite do near as well down here at this, this latitude on a lot of our lakes. I don't know if it's because, you know, just the, the water quality issue or, um, you know, it's too, it gets too warm in the summers for them. They're more of a Northern fish. I'm not sure what it is, but the walleye fishing down here just does not, it, it does not hold the, a candle to what you guys have going up there in, in uh, Wisconsin or even in Minnesota and, and uh, uh, Canada too, of course, you know, but that's uh, really cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of deer, a lot of elk, a lot of fishing, turkeys, that's really cool. And it all goes into this, uh, you know, this picture that Jimmy kind of painted the Douglas County legend. You're, you're good at all of it, which is, uh, you know, I think there's something to be said for that. There's plenty of guys out there who seem to have like one thing dialed and they're really good at that one thing, but there, there aren't many guys who, uh, um, you know, dabble in all these other areas of the outdoors as well. And I just think it gives you such a better, overall understanding of the woods to to um you know see it from each of these angles would you agree with that yeah definitely the more time you spend out there the more you learn yep yep see how it all comes together not even just from a wildlife and from a fishing game standpoint but also you know from a, a geological standpoint and from a from a climate standpoint and and vegetation standpoint you know it just it all comes together the full picture the more you can diversify uh, your outdoor experience so and really living up to that nickname that uh that Jimmy gave you and I'm sure it probably embarrasses you to some extent but um you know I think I think I agree with Jimmy totally uh the the stuff you're uh, able to do in the woods and and put together I think is uh uh really remarkable so that's really cool but you know uh, most of this conversation I think is probably going to be pretty well uplifting and and light you know and and fun and upbeat like most podcast episodes not just here at first gen hunter but pretty much all podcast episodes you listen to you know there's almost like this uh i I think about this a lot when when i'm listening to a podcast it's almost like there's this gentleman's agreement and you know you got a couple of strangers coming together and having a conversation maybe they've exchanged a few text messages or maybe even as much of a phone call before they talk but you know it's it's all politeness and so which is still very helpful and everything but Mm -hmm. you know you think about like some of the 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 best lessons you ever had in a classroom you know in high school or something there was some conflict in there you know there was some there was some hard stuff that was that was kind of pulled apart and uh you know laid bare to see and you know sometimes it wasn't always pretty but it it helped us grow right yeah and um yeah 
you know, I think some of the best interviewers out there, they're good at that, you know, not, not just on podcasts, but, you know, you see them on like a, a specialty news programs, you know, like 60 minutes or something. They ask the hard questions or whatever. Right. But, um, we're going to kind of shift to that right now. We're going to talk about something that's hard. Um, mm-hmm. something that, uh, um, you know, I gotta, I gotta admit, you know, while I've been, been piecing this together, um, I, I've never even met you besides on the other end of a phone line, Zach, and I, I've gotten a little choked up, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, kind of reading through it and, and, uh, considering everything, uh, that's, that, that you've been through and fought through and your family has fought through with you and your friends. And, um, it's, it's a tough topic, but that, that topic that I think, uh, we need to go to next because it, it gives a full picture of, of, uh, who you are as a person. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we, we talk about the Douglas County legend from a hunting and fishing standpoint, but, I think there's more that goes into that that legendary status of you know being being a highly effective person, somebody who who uh, you know you want your kids to to grow up to be like you know is is something that I think everyone is that has been following along with you has seen as you've fought this war, this war with cancer, and. Um, I guess maybe what how we'll start is I'll kind of tell what I've learned from talking with Jimmy, from from reading the information and following you a little bit for a short time on social media. Um, but you were diagnosed with bone cancer. Um, I believe I believe uh, Jimmy mentioned that it kind of started out with just like a sore knee, and uh, you went into the hospital or the doctor's office or whatever to get checked out. And uh, you kind of got that news that everyone hopes they will never hear. And that news was you had uh, uh, a rare form of bone cancer. And um, that cancer started to spread pretty quickly despite, you know, undergoing some some uh, chemotherapy treatments. And... Uh, started to get into your lungs and um, uh, around your heart and the um, kind of the pericardial area, right? If I'm saying that correctly. And um, even spread to some of the, the nervous tissue in your chest. And um, man, what a, what a brutal fight. Um, what, 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 what kind of cancer were you originally uh, diagnosed with, Zach? It is called telangiectatic osteosarcoma. So osteosarcoma is a generic bone cancer term, and then there's like 50 different types, mine being super rare. Um, it's typically a childhood cancer. You know, I think like 90% or 80 or 90% happen to kids under the age of 18. Hmm. And yeah. I, I was 34. Wow. So pretty rare. And I actually had a doctor tell me that she thought I was the only 34 year old male in the entire United States with this certain type. Man. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine like hearing that news where you just like kind of 
stunned for a while when when you uh came yeah. out of there i mean it's it's tough to really make sense of it yeah. um i kind of what at the attitude is that i have is it happened to me for a reason and yeah. that's kind of hmm. that's kind of what i believe yeah yeah that yeah i, I don't know what the reason <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's uh that's a uh, the right attitude to have, man. That's that makes you a big man to be able to to look at it that way. I I think the temptation's got to be really heavy at times to just want to, you know, kind of roll over and and uh, you know complain and and man to to have that kind of a a way forward attitude is just really uh, hum- humbling to. Uh, you know, be to be having this conversation with somebody like that. So, and hats off to you for, for uh, doing that. So, uh, beyond chemo, have you uh, had to have like a lot of surgeries? I assume and stuff like that. Uh, so far, three times. Um, originally, they diagnosed me with a, a benign tumor, and so they they were going to go in, cut out the tumor in my fibula, and then put in uh, some concrete to fill the hole. Mm. But when mm-hmm. they went in, they pulled out a sample and it looked cancerous. Mm. So they, they sold me back up, sent me home while they evaluated it. And I got a staph infection. Oh, so no. I had to deal with that for about a week, which was extremely painful. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So then after that chemo started, I did four rounds of, they call it the red devil and cisplatin. And that was, not very fun. Yeah. And then, uh, the idea was to try to shrink it first and then take it out. But towards the fourth cycle, it started growing. So then they rushed the surgery and they pulled it out of my leg. And with that, they damaged, um, two of my nerves. So I had, I had this, what they call foot drop where you can't lift your foot up. Oh. You can push it down, but you can't it up. Sure. Still what I, um, so we knew that going into it, that I'd have this foot drop, but they also yeah. did a, a, they used a tourniquet on the surgery and they damaged my tibial nerve, which left the inside of my leg numb permanently. Oh, oh man. So yeah, that was insult to injury. And I had tons of nerve pain for, you know, two or three months after that. I still have nerve pain, but it's not as bad. It doesn't mm-hmm. hurt me at night anymore. Mm, yeah. And then this this past April, I had a tumor on my heart, and then um, in my left lung that they were able to take out, which was a pretty invasive surgery. Yeah. 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 I imagine so. Was it like open heart surgery to to do all that? Uh, yeah. They um they made an incision in my back in between my ribs pulled my ribs apart, um, deflated my lung and the tumor was luckily on the pericardium. So they were able to cut around the pericardium, pull that out with the tumor. And then they put a Gore-Tex patch about three inches by three inches over my heart. Wow. Wow. Just pretty a, incredible. Just a service, basically, incredible. basically a new membrane there to protect your heart, huh? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. It kind of keeps it in the, the pericardium like a bag and it, you know, basically kept that bag together. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. 
Man, that's that's crazy. So a lot of recovery time, probably a lot of days where you you felt just absolutely uh, uh miserable. And um I mean how was your how was your I know you got a wife and kids, how are they doing through this time when all this was was going on? My wife is an absolute champ. Toughest person nice. I know. Hmm. Wow. And, uh, and the, the kids are great. I have an eight-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Hmm. And they're all they're all doing things, so they're doing good. 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 I mean, it's a, it's amazing the, the difference that support makes, you know. And when you know you've got that support and, you know, I mean, that, that can make all the difference in the world. So it sounds like you've got an amazing support team behind you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, an unbelievable support system, family, yeah. friends. Yeah, it's been great. Well, I mean, and honestly, just even, you know, it just a short time, you know, before this, you know, just going on and, and just I kind of just went on, on your Facebook page and just looking at the backdrop of things. And obviously people, you can tell, you know, you're a well-loved person, you know, people really look up to you. And, you know, obviously the outdoors is important and, you know, the difference that we can make with that. But beyond that, just being someone who other people look up to and, and you make a difference. So, I mean, that's speaks so highly of you. And it's so cool to see just in the little bit that I saw people coming together to support you, which is a pretty awesome thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Well, you know, I'm sure we could spend a, a ton of time just uh, devoting the, the remainder of this conversation to uh, that battle and a battle that you're still fighting today. Right. And, um, you know, do you mind kind of telling us where things stand right now with, uh, with, uh, your cancer? Yeah. So, you know, I, I mentioned I had the, that heart surgery that was back in April Mm. and it's typically a three month recovery, but about a month for the surgery, I started having pain on the other side of my chest. And we are on a vacation in Texas, out of all places, north of Dallas. And um, it was the second day we were there. And I'm like, I have to go in. Something's not right. Yeah. So I went in and they did a CT scan and they can see where my I had some small tumors on my other lung. And mm-hmm. they, they exploded and there were blood-filled cysts all over. And it was causing all sorts of pressure issues. Um, yeah. They drained... They drained a liter of fluid, if you can imagine that, a Gatorade liter full of fluid out of my right lung. Oh, and wow. I was in the hospital for 11 days, I think, five days in Texas. And then I had two buddies come down. They drove down um, to pick me up because I wasn't able to fly. And they yeah. drove me to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. And I wow. spent another five or six days there. And... Um, it wasn't going so well. They at one point told me I had to call my family. Oh my goodness. Oh. And my wife said, you're not dying here. You're coming home. So she got yeah. me to come home. They released me. And, you know, they were like, man, you might make it a couple days or a week or whatever. And, you know, I just started, you know, taking it a couple steps at a time. I was like, one day I'm going to get on the, on the deck. And then the next day I'm like, Let's go for a ride to the cabin. And the mm. next day, the buddies are like, let's go fishing. And then before I knew it, I was golfing and shooting my bow. And I feel wow. pretty good right now. Man. But 
you know, it, it's still there. I had a scan of, about a week ago and, um, all the blood filled tumors, um, are no longer blood filled. So there's no fluid, just the tumor. So we'll probably end up looking at some chemo or possibly some surgery down the line here. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, things are, are looking a lot better than what they were. Now you kind of cut out there for a second when you said they gave you uh how many days did they originally give you to live when you were up at Mayo? Uh, the oncologist there said two or three days, man, that's, that's crazy. Wow. That is, that is crazy to face something like that, but, but also really remarkable to see how you've kept fighting and, Man, I'm so happy to hear that you're you're uh, feeling a lot better right now and able to do those things that you love, and um, you know, just I think that's probably the most powerful thing. In your whole story is how you haven't given in, man. Uh, uh, I I don't think I could I could uh, withstand what you've you've been dealt, and uh, I just. I'm just in awe, <laughs> really like, uh, you know, Jimmy said in the email, it's just an incredible thing that you're, you're still here and you're still doing you're the things that, that, that you love. And, and, um, you know, you're, you're staring this thing down and you're maintaining some, some dreams and, uh, you know, goals that you have for yourself. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, kind of where, uh, you know, I want to, uh, uh, go, in this part of the conversation now, which is, you know, through your physical and mental toughness and, um, you know, um, you know, I'm not sure if you're a religious person or not, you know, hopefully some strength from up above and, uh, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the support of your, your loved ones around you, like you said, a great support network, you know, you're, um, you're, you're, doing a lot better and, and you keep going and and uh jimmy mentioned that you have some plans for hunting yet this fall so uh can you walk us through what uh you're hoping to do in the whitetail woods this fall um yeah i guess going back to what you first kind of touched on um you know i still i totally believe that this happened to me for a reason hmm. you know yeah. everybody that you know god will only give you what you can handle so maybe this is what I can handle Hmm. and to deal with, I've always thought, you know, focus on, focus on things that make you happy and focus on what you're interested in. And, you know, for me, number one, family, my wife and kids Mm -hmm. is going to be bull hunting. And, you know, that's a year round thing. Right. So I always got something to do bull hunting. Yep. And then, just little things, you know, buy a bowl, you know, go shoot, you know, you can excel at and keep your mind occupied. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely being engaged in hunting and fishing has helped me so much. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think there's a lot of healing that comes from just being out and, and, enjoying you know what god gave us here on this planet is is uh there's there's healing power there i think for sure and and you know in your case physical healing and i imagine some mental healing too that's a lot of mental weight to be carrying around an emotional weight to be carrying around while you're battling something like that but um 
you know, if somebody's tuning into this, maybe you're in a similar spot as Zach, or you got a loved one who's kind of battling, uh, uh, you know, this, this horrible disease, cancer, um, you know, uh, look to the, look to ways like, like Zach did to, to maybe find some connection from the outdoors to kind of help, uh, uh, you know, bring you back in, in tune with some things that, that can lift your spirits a little bit give you something to keep fighting for and, and, uh, you know, find some encouragement any way you can. So man, yeah. such a, such a powerful story. I, I really appreciate you, uh, you, uh, being candid with us on that and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sharing that, that part of the story with us. So you got some plans to get out in the woods this year. So are you, uh, planning to, um, you know, hit it hard for whitetails once a uh, season opens up and I think it's September in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, we're always uh, about the third third Saturday in September. Um, but yeah, for sure. I mean, I I live for opening day of September bull hunting. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you're a uh, <laughs> that you're also a uh, opening day enthusiast. Uh, Brandon and I we uh, we both can't help ourselves as long as we're as long as we're free. We like to get out on uh, on opening day. Um, yeah, but. You know, I think a lot of times guys are like, oh, opening day, you just need to be patient, wait for the rut. But it's like, come on, man, you've been waiting since like, uh, you know, January or something like that since uh, last mm-hmm. time you could get out in the deer woods. It's like, I can't, I can't contain it anymore. I got to get out there. But uh, <laughs> so uh, hunting opening day, you're going to, um, <clears throat> you know, what kind of approach you're going to go? Are you going to go uh, tree stand from the ground? Uh, what, what are you hoping to, what are you hoping to do? Yeah, for me, it's always been up, you know, up sitting in a tree in a tree stand. Sure. Um, well, I mean, there, there could be a time for a ground blind if there's no decent trees available. But yeah, you know, this time of year, I'm looking for looking for a respectable, mature deer, and you know, hope to hope to have a chance at him. But uh, before that, we do have an elk hunt planned in the same same location in southwest colorado that we've been awesome. going to for 12 years so it'll yeah. be a little different if i can go you know i i have to have oxygen and to walk in the woods and mm-hmm. up there it's obviously a thousand feet but I, we have a couple ideas getting them you know in on a bike or just getting mm. on flatter ground right so it, it could be doable nice that's a really good idea with uh those quiet cats or I think there I think there's a couple different brands of those e-bikes now that man those things the places they can get people in they're pretty incredible it's incredible yeah. yeah so that would right. be that'd be a, that'd be a great idea to use something like that to to help you get in there so that's really cool man so I didn't realize uh that because I knew Jimmy had said you were talking about doing an outcome but I didn't realize that was going to be that early in September so uh that's coming up here less than two months huh yeah yeah, I think opening day is the second of September, so we we go there for nine days or so. Nice. Man, that's awesome. What what a what a cool tradition too. You know, glad you're uh, got plans to carry that on with with those guys. But that's that's uh that's really cool. So um, I got some uh, deer plans, some some elk plans. Are you a uh, are you a fall turkey guy at all? Do they have fall turkey hunting up in Wisconsin? They do, but it's it's not the same. They're not gobbling like they are in the spring, and I mean that's sure. that's half the fun running 
and watching them strut and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. sure, it's just a little different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so when you're in Wisconsin, you're laser focused on deer and, uh, when you uh, get out to Colorado, then of course, uh, you're going for the, the elk. So that's, that's really cool. You know, another one of those tough questions that I thought of when I was, you know, putting the, the interview together here was probably, I guess, kind of almost an elephant in the room for this, you know, once everyone gets to the point in this, this interview where they're like, whoa, he's really sick and he's really battled cancer, you know, and man, two or three days to live. And now he's, you know, how many weeks past that, man, why, why would you even, why would you even try to think about hunting? Should, shouldn't you be like spending, spending every second of every day just with your family or, or, you know, something, something along those lines. It, I mean, how, mm-hmm. how do you answer a question like that? I mean, I, I'm just keep on, you know, I'm, I'm just being me, you know, I'm not, I'm trying not to panic. We're trying to keep hope that hmm. this is going to keep going on for a time. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm lots of time with the kids. Um, yeah. We're, we're doing not, you know, doing a little traveling and stuff and mm. but you also do stuff for yourself you know it's kind of like a self-medicating thing yeah you know, going out for me going out and checking trail cameras i gotta do it it's just it's what i do mm-hmm. yeah and you know and it's it's good to hang out with friends too they keep your mind off of the bad stuff and you know it's, yeah. it's worth having a good time with them yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. Well, I mean, and I was, I was going to say, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's powerful because, you know, here you, you've come from a situation where a doctor told you, you know, a couple days and here you are, you know, <clears throat> receive some good news and you're still fighting. And it's just a good reminder that no one knows the ultimate clock that we have, you know, all of us have a clock. And, you know, it is a, it is a blessing to be able to not you really to be actively not taking it for granted, still in the fight, enjoying the days that you have and making the most of them. And that that's a gift, you know, that's a really a gift. And it's, I mean, it's very interesting, you know, like Kent and I are religious people and, and I know you just reflect on that a little bit, but you know, it, it's very easy, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes and different, you know, things in the Bible talk about how kind of people just go about their lives. You know, they're, they're busy with life. And I mean, I can even reflect on my life right now and it just being as busy as, as it is. And it's, it's so easy, you know, days just go by and days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years. And, you know, what are you really accomplishing? What are you really doing to, to benefit others and and what are you are you living with a purpose and all that so it's pretty cool that you're you seem to have you know grasped a hold of that without losing the passions that you have in life and you're you're able to enjoy that and blend that together so pretty awesome that you're able to to live that and experience that and and another thing i should add is you know definitely i i take my kids with me you know oh, yeah the woods nice. and, you know my daughter, she's shot a couple deer already. She's only eight years old. Oh, you know? that nice. is awesome. I take her fishing. Shooting. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, you're building those memories, you know, and, and that means yeah. more than ever now, you know, with everything going on, especially. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that you talk about just amplified memories, you know, and how awesome that is. So, man, I mean, just incredible to hear it. And I mean, it, it makes me 
honestly want to not take for granted the time that I have with my kids, you know, because none of us are guaranteed anything, you know, I mean, we can be told something, someone can tell us you've got two or three days to live and here, here you are months later, you know, and things are looking, you know, more positive than they did then. I mean, you know, we're, we're not mm-hmm. on anyone's time clock, you know, we're on, ultimately we're on God's time clock, you know, and, and it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I know Kent and I, and, and everyone listening, is just going to be rooting for you and praying for you and thinking of you. So we're, we're excited. We're excited. already looking forward to having you back on. And I know we're going to be talking about some tips here in a little bit, but already looking forward to having you back on and seeing how the fall goes and hopefully some success for you. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Course. You know, one thing I wanted to add on there too, just, just in case somebody did have that question, it's, you know, I think, I think Zach said it really nice. He's doing the things that, that make him, him, you know, mm-hmm. he, he is, he, he is a deer hunter. He is mm-hmm. an elk hunter. It's, it's, it's who those, those who love him, know him as that. And to, mm-hmm. to just hit pause on that until either you get some, some better news or some worse news it yeah. isn't living, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can't just sit there and, and stare at each other waiting for some kind of breakthrough, you know, you got to keep going. And, yeah. and so, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I, I think it's, it's a wonderful thing that you're able to do that. And even like you said, even being able to include your kids on it. I mean, man, that is what a gift you're giving them, you know, in, in many yeah. ways they're seeing their dad as a strong, as a strong, uh, superhero. <laughs> he, can't yeah. even, uh, you know, cancer can't even knock him down. You know, he's still, yeah. he's still doing what he loves and, and doing it well and <laughs> doing it a whole lot better than me, I'm sure. Uh, you know, yeah. so, so, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, really, a, a an inspiring thing that, that you keep just, just, uh, going about your business, man. That's, that's really cool. And, and I echo Brandon, I'm, I'm pumped to see what ends up on Instagram, man. I haven't uh, been following you long enough to get like a, uh, uh, BBD, uh, post on, uh, Instagram yet. So I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to seeing what you get. I hope, I hope you get like a nice, uh, uh, two hundo that walks out in front of you and, uh, up there in uh, North, <laughs> Northwest Wisconsin, maybe not, maybe not quite the drama of like, you're getting ready to call it a day. And then all of a sudden you turn around and there he is, but like, <laughs> you know, hopefully you get him on camera and you get a pattern, pattern him and everything else. So. If you know of any 200 inch white cells, let me know I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wish I did. Uh, but no, you'll, you'll, hopefully, hopefully that'll, uh, hopefully that'll click together this year for you. You never know. You never know what can uh, hide out there and uh, all that timber you guys got up there. So, yeah. Well, let's get to the part of the show that uh, Brandon just kind of previewed, and that is getting to pick the brain a little bit of the Douglas County legend, getting to ask him for some hunting advice. And uh, I'm excited for this because, as I just said, I'm a, I really enjoy the excitement of opening day. And uh, to be honest with you, um, now, you know, first gen hunter podcast here, all the listeners that have been listening long enough know my story. I haven't been hunting for very long. This will be, I think, my seventh season, seventh, maybe eighth, seventh or eighth season, uh, this, this coming hunting season. Um, uh, but, uh, last year was my first, like going after it hard archery season mm-hmm. for whitetails. So I hunted the rep for the first time because down here in, in Iowa, uh, 
the firearm seasons are far away from the rut. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was a different experience for me, but I got to say, and I did see some really cool stuff going on during the rut. I just really liked the early season. And, uh, you, uh, mentioned, uh, on the call the other day that that's kind of your time of year too. Uh, do you got, like, what's your, what's your reasoning for the early season being, uh, a time that's special to you? Oh, well, the number one reason is they're, they're fairly easy to pattern and, um, you know, you can catch them in their, in their summer patterns and, and get in kind of into their bedroom. Yeah. I like that. So, you know, that's a, I like how you said that because I think that that is a, that is like a taboo thing to say around here, but I I don't get why, because I agree with you. Um, and people are going to probably like boo me and write me off and give me a terrible review now on my podcast for saying this, but hear me out. <laughs> I mean, so and it maybe I'm sure it's different to some degree up there, but you said, you know, you're getting into now, where do you think that sutter, maybe I should ask this. Maybe I'm assuming too much here. Where do you think that summer pattern, um, like cuts off, like from a, a time frame? standpoint like a day on a calendar where do you think where do you think that that ends here i would say october 1st okay maybe maybe october 7th somewhere somewhere in there first week of october yeah so you've basically got mid-september through the end of the month to to you know keep them in that pattern or get them in that pattern Sure. So, so you're, that's when you're saying early season, that is your, your favorite, your favorite time right there is, is, uh, right, right in that little window in September. Yeah. And, you know, up here, you know, keep in mind 125 inch buck here, you know, minimum for P and Y is a hard buck to come by. You know, it's not like they're running all over the place. You know, I've mm. got at our cabin, we've got 230 acres. And you might have one on a, on a good year. Most wow. of the time there's none. Wow. So that's, yeah. the, you know, he's private property. You move into the public land. Like I said before, some areas are good. Some areas you'll go for miles and there won't be a hundred inch buck. You wow. know, it's, it's they're running everywhere. So mm-hmm. anyways, I've, you know, I've been hunting, bow hunting over 20 years. I've got four over 140 in September. So I think, you know, that's pretty good. You know, I, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, they're hard to come by and it, it, you know, a lot of work has gone into them. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Now I should, I should, uh, you know, own up to what I was saying earlier too, about the, the summer patterning. So deer season doesn't start in Iowa until October one, other than like a youth mm-hmm. season or a, I think, uh, there's like a, uh, if you have youth and disabled, I think can hunt like the last two weeks of September, two weekends or something like that. But, but other than that, um, uh, it's it, October one. I know bucks change a lot in, uh, you know, once they go hard horned and, uh, you know, as they start getting, you know, the sun, sun the photo period shifts around as uh, we get out mm-hmm. of the, you know, that, that summer angle of incidents from the sun hitting the earth and 
day, days start getting shorter, you know, days are getting shorter now or on the other side of the solstice, but, but, uh, I mean, really start making a big difference in the amount of daylight that, that they had compared to back in, you know, late May and all through June and, and July. But, um, uh, I, th- I still think that the weather conditions are similar enough to the summer that deer are still enjoying a lot of shade during the days. There's around here, all the corn, you know, up through the first couple of weeks of October, I'd say at least half of the corn is still standing. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's an mm-hmm. Iowa forest, right? <laughs> that's a, that's big woods in Iowa is uh, standing corn, but uh, deer are shading still a lot. They're really only going to be visible in those coolest hours of the day. So, you know, doing a lot of stuff at night, but also, Right before morning, you're, you know, like right at right around first light and then activity starts to shut down because it's hot and they want to go back and, you know, kind of be in the shade and and uh, in the the evenings, they come out, come around right around last light. It seems like most of the time in October, you know, and to me, yeah, there's some major differences there between the summer and and the fall, but. I agree. I think there's kind of just a little bit easier pattern to follow. That's kind of similar to a summer pattern in my opinion, but you know, what do I know? I've only been hunting for a few years, but I agree. I think, <laughs> I think the the predictability of October makes it more fun to hunt for me the early season. So I agree with that, but, and Zach, if you think I'm totally crazy and wrong, thank you for uh, not saying so, but <laughs> <laughs> no you know i i've got kind of a a program or a process you know it, like i said before it's it's a year-round thing and it starts from the fall before taking inventory you know saving every rack buck or mature deer that you have on on the computer to you know sure. see what they're doing the fall, a lot of times they follow the same patterns you know you shed hunt um, you run cameras in the winter to see what made it. And then you start your summer scouting. And when you find one, you focus on it. And, you know, that might involve putting 10 cameras into one area, trying to figure out what hundred yard circle the deer's living in. And then, you know, once the season comes around, it's all about timing. And you kind of talked about the weather a little bit and timing with the weather is probably the biggest part of mm-hmm success early season in my opinion because there's only certain and we call them my buddies and i call them killing days you know you'll have a front come in and the wind will be blown for from the west for 10 days and all of a sudden you'll get a northeast well Mm -hmm. those are the days that be in your stand Mm. those are the days you're gonna kill yeah Mm. that's just one of the things that i've learned over the years yeah, that's a that's a great piece of intel there. And and I agree just like again in my limited experience on those days where you have that weather event that you're talking about, you're right. You just there's the deer just magically appears like where have you guys been all week? <laughs> and then boom, yeah, there, right. there they are. And uh yeah, I I agree. I and to be able to have a pattern like that, you know, with a rut, if you're in the right spot on the rut, it doesn't get any better. But mm-hmm. how, what would you say? Maybe 
one out of 10 hunters on each given day of the rut are in, are where the rut is hot and heavy, you know, mm-hmm. the, the rest right. of, yeah, right. yeah. you know, the rest of the guys probably see like a, a, a traveling buck if they're on a good traveling corridor every once in a while. But, uh, you know, there's, you can, if you're stuck on a piece of private property where the rut is not going on, you are not going to see a deer unless, you know, somebody shoots at one and it goes running over your way from another farm or something. I mean, they just, they're going to be where the, the dough, the hot dough is at. And if that's not where you're at, you know, it's not a whole lot of fun. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing about hunting the rut here is you'll be watching a particular buck for a couple months or whatever. And then all of a sudden one day he's gone and he could be two, three miles away. Yeah. You'll never see him. Yep. And, and somebody else who's never seen him before because it's the rut it's, it's brought to, it's brought to him like a little present, right? It's, you know, Oh, who are you? Boom. There goes that buck you were watching for all those months. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of excitement and I'll always be excited to hunt the rut, of course, and always plan to a trip during the rut just because it can be a magical time. Uh, my brother, Jake, he was that one in 10 people last year. I think he, uh, uh, this will, this will, uh, this will uh, make you shake your head a little bit, Zach, because uh, of the, the, <laughs> I think sometimes it's a lot easier to hunt yeah. in Iowa than it is in, in Northern Wisconsin and big woods country. Mm-hmm. I think he had over 50 deer, um, pass his stand in one day. Yeah. And one hunt. Yeah. That's yep. incredible. But, but you know what? I hunted that same exact stand he did two weeks later. And I, I saw deer, I saw, but, but nothing like what, what he was seeing, you know? And so, you know, if you're not, if you're not right, right where it's at, at the right time, then it, it may not be, you know, as magical as you heard it described in a magazine article or something. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about well, the, the early season. I, uh, I, no, I didn't roll my eyes at that, but I, I did think back to when I was younger, I hunted se- I 17 sits in a row without seeing the deer here. Oh man. <laughs> 17 in a row. 17 in a row. Oh, and it was goodness. in October, quote, October lull or whatever, but 17 in a row. <laughs> wow. That is brutal. How did you not just become a, a musky fisherman, man? <laughs> man alive. I can't even imagine that. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's tough because you start to, you go through something like that where you're not seeing deer and then you, you know, you start, and it's like anything else, it's like a, it's like a baseball hitter, you know, that's in a slump or whatever else, you know, you start questioning things, you're changing things up, you're figuring things out. But then in some cases, it's just like you said, the kind of the nature of where you're at and kind of the expectation they have sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Man, that is just rough. 17 sets. Whew. Well, Hey, you know, that's good though. I'm glad you share that because there's people that are listening to this and they probably have, maybe that was their last season and look at what Zach's doing now. So mm-hmm. hang in there. And uh, just keep gathering that data. Um, but I really like that piece of data you mentioned there about the weather. What other kind of things? Are you looking for like, uh, you know, I hear a lot of guys who hunt big timber down south. And I don't know how much uh, this applies to your part of the country. I don't know how many oak trees you guys have. But are you following any kind of like mast crop food source or um uh, are you, are you hunting water sources? I mean, are you doing anything else to kind of like 
break these ginormous pieces of public land down into bite-sized, huntable pieces of ground? Uh, yeah, for sure. There's there's a few things. Um, you know, if you have a good amount of, or even if you have any private land, you can do food plots, and sometimes you'll land on one, and you can hunt them that way. Um, yeah, we ha- we looked for acorns, you know, oak trees, but mm-hmm. they really stripped the oaks in this county in the last 10 years. So it's getting kind of hard to find mature oaks. There There is oak brush, um, which yields some, some pretty decent amounts of acorns. Um, mm. But, you know, <laughs> the next thing I'm going to say, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it, and that's baiting. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it's... It's really tough to beat a well-timed and placed corn corn pile or corn and apples or or what have you. You know, I've shot a few deer over bait, and um, it's 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 re- it's a really effective legal tool that we use here to get to get to pull the bucks out in daylight. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, you know it it goes along with uh, we talked about this. Brandon with uh, Brian Hallberg when we were talking about yeah. bear hunting and and you know as much as much grief as hunters will give each other over baiting deer it's a whole new level when it comes to baiting bears you know um, I've I, I remember the first time I heard about it, I was this was well before I ever started hunting and um, the guy talking about it he doesn't he didn't hunt but he had he had I think been up in Canada and he had seen like one of these, uh, somehow he, he got tied in with this outfit. Not that he was hunting, but he like heard about how they bait bears. You know, they put these bait piles out for, and basically condition the bears to be around that bait pile. And then they can, the guides can put a hunter on them. And man, he was just railing on and on about it for a long time. And, and, you know, so the, I think that baiting bears, could be even more controversial but when when we talked to brian about it brandon it really cleaned that up i think yeah yeah the the habitat in some parts of this country is just so contiguous is that the right word you know where it just it just goes and goes it's all connected and there's very little variation and so to to say, you know what, I'm going to go bear hunting today. I'm going to go set up a tree stand and you know what, I'm going to take every day off, off of, uh, work for the next week. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to shoot a bear. Well, you may not even see a bear. There may not be a bear a mile away from you because yeah, the, the mile away from you is just as good as where you're at. And so there's no reason for the bear to come to where you're at. And so yeah. with where you have habitat, like like Zach is describing, you know, sometimes bait is your only option, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and, uh, I agree. I think, I think the right, I think it's an appropriate application. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like we're being sloppy about it and just going out in the woods and dropping 50 pounds of corn and then the deer come running in. It doesn't work like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, proper baiting, has a lot to do with, I mean, number one, a lot of effort and, and a financial component for sure. But then also the timing of things, patterning, you know, targeting specific deer, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. 
And, uh, you know, it's like anything else, it, depending on the terrain that you're in and depending on all those factors, I mean, it, it may really be the only realistic way to go about it. And that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you're in a, if you're in a state that where that's legal and, and all of that, Hey, you know what, that's, that's a means of harvesting, you know, game animals. And that's, that's great. You know, respect, nothing wrong with that. Sure. Sure. And I guess one other tip that I'd like to share and my, you know, my buddy Rod is going to kill me. <laughs> it's kind of kind of been our secret the last few years but anyway we've really noticed that once you put bait on the ground those first few days where they find it they we swear it's like they think they found you know a pile of gold and they need yeah. to get back there before all the other deer can get there so it's really <laughs> important it's really important to time that with weather or whatever and mm. you know get in there those first few days Sure. That's, that's a great point. So, yeah, so point. I love that. So let me, let me piece together a couple of your tips here. So we're talking about the, it's a little bit easier to pattern during this, this, you know, well before the rut time of year of the hunting season. And so you're choosing based on your, you and your friend's observation about the deer responding to that, that fresh bait. So you're matching that up with what you've observed with like weather fronts. And so you're looking at a five-day forecast. You're like, oh, wow, you know, Thursday, we're going to have, you know, not just a cold front that we're dropping from 80 to 70. We're dropping from, you know, we're dropping down, you know, from maybe it's from 65 to, to 51, you know, where you're really yep. going to get those those actual brisk temperatures to go along with it. And, uh, you're like, that's the day I'm going to throw the food down because there's just going to be more deer up and about to discover this food pile. And they're going to stay on that food pile long enough for me to hunt them. Is that, is, am I, am I following your uh, train of logic here? Yeah. And I'll, I'll paint a, a quick picture for you. In 2019, I shot a, about 150 inch typical six by six. And I had mm. been watching him all summer. And I could have hunted them opening weekend, but I had the wrong winds. But I saw on the following Thursday that we were getting, um, I think it was, uh, you know, we had been getting like a west wind and it turned to north that day. Mm. So I knew that that was the day. So I went in there on like Tuesday to put out the bait. So they found, he found it Wednesday, came back in the daylight an hour before dark on Thursday and I shot him. Wow. Wow. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's, that's a high level tip. And that shows, that shows exactly what Brandon was trying to illustrate that it's so much more than just dumping a bag of corn on the ground. And, and Zach, you really mentioned that too. You're, you're leveraging every bit of, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like uh fishing, you know, you're finding the right lure and you got to keep, you got to keep rifling through the legal tackle box you know, pulling out all the stops. And, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of talked about that at the very beginning of this episode where we talked about those neck shots, you know, one of the best deer hunters I know, he was on a uh, giant buck that he had on camera. And he said, if I, I, I may, because that is such a once in a lifetime buck, I may, he, he's a, you know, very much so a bow hunter, but he'll hunt like maybe one gun season a year. And he's like, 
I'm just going to get a rifle tag. And if I see him, I'm going to aim right for his, his spine on his neck. Cause I don't want mm. that trophy going anywhere. You know, I want, I want that deer. Mm. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want to leave anything to chance. And so, you know what, sometimes, sometimes what's the unconventional method is the right method, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that you can uh, sit there and talk about how you do it and what's your way. But at the end of the day, people like Zach are finding a way to get big bucks consistently and doing it legally and and ethically and everything else. And so um, be willing to to maybe look outside of what you're normally doing too. So, yeah, I think that's awesome, Mm -hmm. man. So uh, got any like uh, down and dirty – rules for hunting the early season because another big consideration especially around here and i imagine it still applies up there but again because deer can be passing through in such wide areas up there um it may not be as much of a problem but around here where everyone there's very little public land and everyone's so worried about not blowing up their best hunting spot during october uh you know so they're trying to to put a minimal minimize the amount of pressure they're putting on their their best spots which i think is good practice Mm -hmm. do you have any like uh you know rules to live by for hunting the early season that you know are kind of along the same lines as something like that well one thing that i've kind of kind of geared my mind to the last few years is plan to hunt it once plan to hunt your stand one time the right way perfectly you know, mm. no mistakes, mm. you know, don't, yeah. don't, Oh, I'm going to hunt this week. You know, I, I think like, no, I'm going to go in there today and kill this deer. That's, mm. that's yeah. my mindset. That's a, that's a good, that's a good point. Not being so, I, I think what that allows for, like, if I understand you correctly, there's a little bit of like sloppiness. If you're, if you're too general, you, yeah. you gotta, you gotta have that dialed in focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it also speaks to the power of the the first sit potentially. You know, if you've got, you know, you've got. I mean, mm-hmm. we've all been in that yeah. situation where you know, man, I've got that, I've got that spot, and it's so good, and it's it's really ideal on a west wind, but I've got a southwest wind, and eh, yeah, the deer probably come out of that other side. Southwest is all right, and then you know you go, and then eh, it doesn't happen like you convinced yourself it would, and. You know, and then it's like, you know, that's, that's too, I think where you find balance as a hunter too, like, okay, I could go hunting today, you know, or I could spend time with my family. Well, the wind's not right. So I, you know, decision and use the power of the first hit to make sure just like what Zach was just saying, that it it's really is the perfect setup for the hunt in that location. And that's, you know, you're limiting pressure. You're keeping yourself balanced. You're giving yourself the best opportunity, all those things. So, but I mean, oftentimes we just all get too excited and man, we just jump in there and, you know, sometimes even, even at very experienced hunters, you know, this is the time that I have, I'm just going to go out there and we'll see what happens. And next thing you know, man, you could mess, you can mess things up for a while like that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. I'm definitely not the best hunter in the world, but you know, well, you, you, well, you are a legend, Zach. now now another another question i had for you uh, along with that zach is are you pretty mobile with your setup 
or do you just have like like 10 trees prepped that you're alternating between are you are you more of like a hang and hunt guy or a saddle guy how are you uh how are you approaching you know hunting a different spot when you need to um yeah i like to i like to have my stand set up in advance um where i can um but yeah you know basically i I typically just hunt out of portable tree stands and and have maybe two or three options i wouldn't say i have 10 in a in a certain Uh spot but a Uh couple and maybe even you know two stands at the same spot for for different wins oh Mm -hmm. okay yeah 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 so you you know that that's an interesting tip even right there that that zach just mentioned because you know oftentimes you can just you know for instance hunting it could be a small field or even a food plot you know one wind could be great for one side of it and then 150 yards across another wind is 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 perfect for that other side so i mean if you've got your your you've got the ability to jump in one versus the other yeah maybe you've got to change your plans but you can still push yourself in the spot that's best for the wind right in that same general location so that's that's even a good tip yep exactly yeah, it's a good point. Very good point. You know, this is the kind of stuff, if you're listening, you're a first-gen hunter, this is the kind of stuff that, at least for me, getting into hunting just felt so mm-hmm. hard to right. figure out, you know. So these tips here from from both Zach and Brandon, a couple of really experienced hunters, some really good stuff there to, you know, it'll propel you years ahead in one of the toughest parts of hunting, which is, how to get close to the deer. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's right. That's good. So, so pretty hyper-focused there then on, on, uh, you know, a handful of spots that you really like. And uh, you kind of mentioned how, you know, bow hunting is a year round thing. You're doing that off season scouting, um, probably a little bit from shed hunting as well. I could only hope since I'm obsessed, but, uh, <laughs> doing, you know, finding out some of that Intel that way and, and getting to those busy areas and, and uh, being ready to go for that. So yeah, those are great tips. Any anything else, Zach? You uh, want to throw in on on uh, early season archery that that you think could uh, help our listeners out? Yeah, for sure. I, I've got one more uh, listed here, and it's um, the use of cell cameras, and hmm. they have really changed hunting around here. You know, exactly. You know, when a when a buck shows up, you know what. Look at the weather. You can see what the wind is, what what temperature is. Mm-hmm. Okay, he came from right here. I know exactly where he's at right now. And then you know, if you're if you're putting out the bait, like I said, you can watch the cameras and see if he found it yet. You know, yeah. if not, then you want more. Mm-hmm. So they've been they've been a, a tool, and you know, not only myself but a lot of my friends have been successful because of them. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's a great point. And, uh, it's worth the headache and the hassle to try and get stuff like that figured out. If, uh, if you're going to, you know, be trying to really do what Zach's doing, follow these, these handful of deer around that, that, uh, you kind of have on your list, you're going to need that, that recent Intel to, uh, make yeah. sure you're setting up in the right spot and employing some of these other methods that Zach mentioned and, and having some success. So yeah, don't be afraid well, of the early season people. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, I was going to mention too, just Zach mentioned this a little bit ago that, you know, bow hunting or hunting in general, whatever, it, it really has become more of a year round style thing because a, a big part of it is because of things like what he mentioned, technology, you know, whereas, you know, back in the day, I mean, you know, you really had no idea what was going on out there. You know, it's hot. You don't really want to be out there, man, you know, during those certain months of the year. All of a sudden, you know, you have technology on your side and you're getting some of those pictures. You're seeing the young up and comers. You know, it's, it's exciting you to stay in the game. Same thing with late season, you know, using those things for late season. And whereas and a lot of a lot of times, uh, you know, it's kind of the holidays that things are kind of winding down. Uh, just, you know, I'm exhausted from the, the season of hunting, you know, but now, oh, well, oh, all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. That 12 point that I thought may have, you know, left the property. He's there. Oh, OK. I've got my second wind. You know, I mean, you know, it's just interesting how it extends everything and how it makes it that much more enjoyable. And to me, it's like it's just kind of part of the chess game, you know, and it's I tell you, it, it speaks to the it's, you know, I'm a big white hill deer hunter. But, you know, the same would be true of elk or whatever else. It speaks to the uh, the how amazing these game animals are that with yes. hunters with all the technology that we have that, you know, man, I know that deer is going to be right here today. And wouldn't you know it wins perfect. That deer didn't show up today. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing that, you know, they, they still, they still get us most of the time, you know, the deer still win most of the time, despite all of the technology that we yeah. have. So it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yep. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, another, another thing that you always need is just a little bit of luck. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. Right. That's right. right. <laughs> now, 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 Zach, I thought of another reason you might like hunting the, the early season you do live in northern wisconsin <laughs> is, there, is there is there some uh is there some motivation to avoid the avoid the the death grip of old man winter by uh tagging out early 100 percent, and it, it is nice being tagged out early because then you can spend the fall you know grouse hunting or still mm. fishing or running cameras or whatever sure so yes. it's kind of nice take out early for me nice yeah well said yeah i i gotta i gotta i gotta agree with that man i can only (laughs) imagine what it's like up there in the winter you know down where where brandon and i were at we would we would get a little taste of those wisconsin winters but i can't imagine it's anything like uh the wind whipping off of lake superior oh Oh, no 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 really (laughs) cold but well, Zach, uh, again, it's just been an honor to be able to have this conversation with you and, and shoot the breeze with you and hear your stories and get to know you a little bit. Uh, as Brandon said, man, we'd love to have you back on the show at some point, hopefully uh, here soon, and, and maybe uh, uh, bring you and Jimmy on together to talk about uh, yeah. uh, the elk hunt. And, uh, you know, what, what ends up happening with, uh, with, uh, your whitetail plans this fall, you know, we're looking forward to, to seeing everything unfold on there and, uh, everyone else who, uh, you know, now has a, has a, uh, vested interest in, uh, Zach after hearing him on this episode, um, how can people, uh, follow along with you, man? You can find me. I'd probably put the most posts on Facebook. Okay. You know, just just Facebook search my name. Sure. Zach Glasky. I've got Instagram as well. Um, you can kind of look at the, uh, the cancer story. We had a, a page called Zach's hunt on cancer on Facebook, um, which got hacked and we can't get into it, but oh. you can see you know, it's about a year's worth of 
what I what I had to go through on there. And mm-hmm. the, the most recent update I'll just put on my regular Facebook page. Sure. Nice. Yeah. So make sure you're uh, following along there. Of course, as always, I will share the the links to Zach's pages in the show notes on this episode. And if you're asking yourself, what are the show notes? Good question. Uh, when you pull up the episode, there will be some kind of like little description paragraph that goes along with that under my fancy pants writing that I put in there for that description. You'll find all these links and uh, you'll uh, find Zach's links there. And uh, one other thing too, that um, I wanted to bring up, there will be a benefit for Zach and his family mm-hmm. um, on the 24th of July. And uh, I heard from Jimmy, there's some pretty cool stuff. And I think you shared it on Instagram today too. There's some pretty cool stuff that's going to be like raffled or auctioned off at, uh, at this benefit. Rumor is uh Bo from uh, Cameron Haynes. Is that, is that accurate? That's accurate. Yeah. It just, it just got here yesterday. So, we're excited nice. uh, to put that one up to some lucky winner. And um, we've got one from Greg Miller, Matthews Bows, uh, the hunting public donated one. Oh, no. Very cool. Yeah, we're up to like six bows and three crossbows. So I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. awesome. Now, how can uh, people find information, information on that? I assume the benefit's going to be right there near your home up in uh douglas county um got any uh, uh quick yep. details on pe- how people can uh if they're if they're somewhat local or maybe you are interested in going checking out that part of the world how they can uh find the benefit yeah absolutely you can go on facebook uh just look for pulaski family benefit and all the information's on there and they're doing uh there's there's three really good uh, friends of ours that are running it and, um, you know, they're putting, um, some raffle, some other things on there every day. So it's, it's been, it's been a really nice and fun to watch. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. So make sure you check that out. And, um, I believe, uh, after talking to Jimmy, there is a GoFundMe page that if you can't make it up there, um, you certainly uh, can donate to, to help, uh, Zach and his family out. And, um, uh, I think also uh, there's there's a PayPal set up for uh, uh, donating to uh, Zach's family as well. So um, I will try to get those links and uh, make those uh, available through the show notes as well. Um, but Zach, you're an incredible, incredible person, quite inspiring to um, not just those around you now, but us here in totally different parts of the country and um, yeah. you know, to listeners uh, throughout the world now uh, that, that uh, they can hear your story and um, hopefully draw some level of inspiration. And again, I, I can't say, say this with enough sincerity. Um, if you have a story similar to, to Zach's um, I hope you find some hope from looking at how Zach is, is facing um, this adversity, how he's uh, continuing to find uh, um, quiet and peace in uh, the things he loves and with the people that he loves and who love him. And so uh, make sure uh, if, if, if you're in that situation, you look to Zach and, and uh, you know, keep on fighting and uh, 
and it's worth it. There's, there's so much good to, to enjoy. So Zach, thank you so much, man. You're a, you're an inspiration and uh, just again, humbled and honored to be able to help you share your story here on the first gen hunter podcast. Thank you so much, man, for coming on. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. And um, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, feel free, send me a message. I'll get back to you. Hmm. That's yeah, that's, that's huge. So if you need, need that strength, um, Zach's got, Zach's got strength for 10 people. <laughs> so uh, <it's, laughs> yes. he's a, uh, he's a, uh, he's a brave dude and, and one tough dude. So make sure you reach out to that. Um, beyond that, make sure you uh, do the usual homework, head over to the huntfishlife.com. Check out Brandon and, uh, his, uh, surly brothers and, uh, his, uh, cousin James, uh, as they, mm-hmm. uh, are pumping out all kinds of content there on, on that page. There's some really funny memes that have been shared recently. <laughs> a, uh, a picture of a, uh, bluegill, like the, the, the conjoined, you know, conjoined twin type of thing going on. Now I think it's Photoshop personally, but, <laughs> but, uh, it could be, you know, it could, you can't trust anything you see on the internet these days, you know, that's right. That's right. So, <laughs> so, uh, but there's, there's some good laughs. There's some interesting content like uh, conjoined bluegill, but, uh, um, make sure you head over there and, and to their other social media pages as well. And, uh, head over to first Gen hunter, of course, and uh, where you can check out all, all of my content. I'm um, getting through this move people. Hopefully I'll be able to uh, get get some more stuff out there uh, here soon on both social media and some of the other avenues where I have content normally, but um, just got to survive. Got to get through, got to get through the rest of this month and hopefully I'll be able to slow down a little bit and catch our breath yes. here, here before long. But we love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, until next time, take care and take someone hunting. Hey, hope you didn't forget. It's time now for the little bonus part of this episode. We got about, oh, 25 minutes or so here of just some great hunting and fishing stories shared by some of Zach's closest hunting and fishing buddies. You're going to feel just like you're there in the boat or sitting around the campfire at deer camp. It's a great time. A big shout out to all of his friends. I'm going to list them off here. Steve Amos, Matt Mackey, Matt Fox, Brian Rusk, Brian Highland, Jamie V, Paul Pulaski, and last but not least, Jimmy Glazer. Thank you, fellas. Enjoy, Zach. So I first met Zach 10 years ago and we, uh, we both had a very strong passion for the outdoors. Uh, Zach's six years older than me, so he kind of became my mentor at the time uh, as he had a lot more knowledge and experience than I did 
and uh, everything just kind of snowballed from there. We began talking every day, going on fishing and hunting trip, and just really became obsessed. We fuel each other. Um, that's one one thing I've never really found in anybody else besides Zach. Is, you know, we can bounce ideas off of each other and push each other to become the best of the best that you know we can be. Um, you know, he always calls me, and uh, we talk every single day. And uh, yeah, when I met Zach for the first time, we met through mutual friends that uh, we all hunted together, and they just introduced me. Figured uh, we'd be good fit and Zach actually invited me to go on an elk hunt with him and uh, some of my friends and we went out to Colorado together but uh, before we went out there I showed up at Zach's house and he was shooting his bull one day and I, I, I'll i never forget you know he was uh, shooting at about 70 yards when I showed up and he was cranking him right in there and uh, I watched him stand back he gets back to about 80 yards and i'm like i can't i can't shoot that far i just know my own skills aren't as good as that and he's still cranking him in there and he steps back and he's got a range finder and he clicks and he had to break a couple branches and it's like yeah it's 90 yards right there and he is hitting right where you want to on every shot and i'm just like no backstop nothing i've been losing arrows and uh, <laughs> that always impressed me. And uh, that's just uh, one little thing. Then when we got out to Colorado, I, I'd never really, I'd only been out elk hunting one time and uh, Zach knew the area pretty well. But I, I would say we were all still pretty new at it. And he's just uh, a guy that he'll get into spots. Uh, he, he's got one particular spot that he really likes to go. and the punisher and uh zach's a tall guy so you know as he's going up the mountain it takes him one step takes me three steps and you know we we always just kind of choke around and have a lot of fun uh picking on him for that but you know he's been successful because he uh he just never gives up i mean if the elk aren't there he you know next day he pushes on keeps going and uh you know i think that's He's just a driven person, and that's what kept him, you know, in the in the game as far as animals are concerned. Because if they're not there, he goes looking for them, and if he can't find them, he goes looking a little further. And that's, you know, what you have to do sometimes. Because uh, you know, it, it's not an easy game. If it was, I don't think uh, I would do it, and I certainly don't think he would either. So, you know been a good friend and even in his sickness he's got a you know never give up attitude uh, that i really admire i've known zach velasquez since he didn't have quite such big feet uh grew up hunting together we started out with duck hunting when we were 12 actually on edith lake and savage lake in florence county so he was a florence county legend before a douglas county legend and uh not so much of a legend. We went through more boxes of shells uh, than we got ducks, that's for sure. I think the first time we went out, we threw 50 shots up and didn't hit a thing. Um, then transitioned to the deer hunting too, and I remember his first buck he got with a bow was a, a mighty fine, probably 32-inch overall score three-pointer. Packed down and found on a rainy night. He was probably more proud of that buck than uh, most of the ones he got in Douglas County in the last 10 years, because he was 
he was shaking. He was so excited. So grew up with the guy. Lived with you know. He stood up in my wedding. I stood up in his wedding. I named my first son after him. Just a great guy. The thing that really separates him though is his perseverance towards everything he does outdoors. I mean, I was when I talk about him, especially with fishing, I say that he could catch a fish in a sidewalk puddle because he would be there till one showed up. He just doesn't give up. He'll be out there fishing or hunting until his feet fall off. And now he's going back at it with just as much perseverance. So he's been battling away and I hope he shoots a 12 pointer this year and can finally break my uh, Douglas County record. It'd be awesome. To me, there's not many people that compare to Zach, if anybody. Um, he's a man I think we all should strive to be. He's a family man, a sportsman, just someone everyone looks up to. Uh, he truly is inspiring and through his journey here over the past 17 months, he's really touched a lot of lives and inspired many, not only in the hunting industry, but people that don't even hunt that we're just looking for inspiration and, and came across his story so it's truly it's truly a cool experience to see this good come from something so so bad my favorite story about zach happened uh, a few months ago i there's a river that runs you know through wisconsin the brule river very popular very good trout fishing and uh I wanted to learn how to target steelheads, and I've never done it before, and I know Zach, you know, fishes all the time. And so I kind of invited myself a few times, and he finally took me to, took me along to one of his spots, and it was two days before his open heart surgery. Uh, he had a tumor the size of a baseball touching his heart, and a collapsed lung at the, at the time. <laughs> we pull into this spot and I feel bad. I was like, he has surgery. Like, this is not good. We park and we get up to this hill and it's like a straight shot down this trail. I'm thinking, there is no way we can get down this hill. You know, he's loaded with cancer, collapsed lung. I'm thinking, well, if he can do it, that's, you know, awesome. But I was a little skeptical and a little nervous, to be honest. And we make it down there no problem we start fishing the river and it was just a beautiful day and the whole time we'll fish a spot nothing we're walking this river and he was just hoofing it i'm thinking how is this possible so we get done fishing and he's like all right now we just gotta go up to this trail back up to the truck i'm thinking that's a big hill and i'm already winded and he is has one lung <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, if you need to stop, just let me know. And we're walking up and up and up. And I'm just starting to pant. You, you need a break, Zach? And he's like, no, I can keep going. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Me either. I'm fine. <laughs> and he just kept going. I was just like, I was just in awe of what he was doing. And I am like lagging behind. And I'm just like, man, I am glad I didn't go out west with you and you had two good lungs because I would have been left in the dust. <laughs> we did end up stopping for, you know, a short break. And yeah, it was just, it was just incredible. We got up to the truck and <laughs> it, was just, it was just one of those times where I just couldn't believe it, you know, and I was 
grateful for the opportunity just to be there and just to really see um, what he can do even with <laughs> half a lung or whatever he had. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty special moment for me, and uh, it's something I will never forget, just watching him and just blown away by his strength. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, that was my favorite, one of my favorite stories with Zach, and uh, love you, man, and thank you for everything, bro. A couple years ago, I had the privilege to go out west with Zach, and uh, we were in southwest Colorado, and the weather was way too hot. It was in the mid-80s just about every single day, so bulls would scream in the morning for a while. We'd get a few to respond and come in close, and I uh, just never had any great opportunities. So in the afternoons, we'd go back to camp, and we'd uh, go lay in this creek right behind camp and just relax, and the sun was right above us, and start laughing. And, and uh, we go and hunt this afternoon. It's like, nah, I don't think we're gonna make it. This is way too relaxing. So we used to always just joke about pick the right guys you go hunting with because it's just truly not all about the kill. It's about the experience. And um, and that that was just part of like one of the best parts about that hunt that we really just just were able to relax and enjoy each other's and uh, time. And it was a good deal. But uh, day three, we headed north of camp and and got up on this west side of this huge face and. It took us like a good part of the first half of the day to get up there and, and uh, had to cross this river. And by the time we got up there, we were just exhausted, relaxing, eating lunch, you know, cracking jokes like guys do, one-liners and looking around and something else will cue up another story about another trip you've been on or an experience you've had with you. And uh, so we find like, all right, let's go do this. Let's go kill an elk. So we, we got about three quarters of the way up and there's a really steep face right in front of us. And then there's like this flat to the right. And Zach, he is notorious for always cracking jokes or pretending like uh, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And he turns around and looks at me super stern. And it's just him and I hunting together this day. And he's like, which way do you want to go? And I was like, I think we should go straight up and get to the top and go to that north face. He's like, good call. Let's go this way. We we literally no, no longer take more than like five steps. And he's like, pull, pull, pull. And he grabs his arrow out of his quiver and he knocks it and the bull stands up and I'm standing right behind him and he's like, how far? And I was like, 50. And he lets it fly. And I thought he made a good shot. He thought he made a good shot, but like it happened so quick. We had no idea. And uh, bull bolted up the mountain and took off and he looks back at me and he's like, holy cow, holy cow. Um, I think I hit him. He's like, I think I made a great shot. He's like, I'm not sure. I'm like, I think he, I think he chiseled him. I said, I'm, I'm not sure either. Things settle down for a minute or two. He looks back at me and he goes, "Where's your rangefinder?" I said, "Rangefinder." He goes, "Yeah, you said 50." I said, "Yeah, he was 50 yards. I guess, I guess probably pretty dang close." <laughs> so we get down there, and, and he's at, at this point in time, you kind of laughing, but I thought I really ranged perfectly for him right behind him. Uh, we get down there and there's blood on the log and we find his arrow. So we started tracking this bull up the mountain and um, we we decided to back out that afternoon. But we came back the next day and, and found him uh, on the upper side of the mountain. We drove way around to come back in and find this bull. But yeah, we found his we found his bull and that was uh, one of his uh, that was his last elk hunt to date. Uh, hopefully he makes it this fall. But yeah, I'll never forget his face when he realized I didn't have my rangefinder in my hand and I just said 50 but he chiseled this thing right through the neck facing us dead on and just smoked him 
yeah, that was a good one. Anybody who knows Zach knows that he loves elk hunting and going out west. That's that's his favorite place in the entire world. And uh, he used to go out there with his dad bow hunting. And then slowly he just continued to bring more and more people out there. And it's kind of unraveled into a tradition. And he brought me out there four years ago. And we hiked up this mountainside called the Pulaski Punisher, which is named after Zach and for good reason, because it's it's uh, one of the steepest mountain ridges out there. And uh, you go up 50 yards and you're just gassed, gasping for air. And we got about halfway up the mountain and I'm not an elk hunter, this is my, my first year, but he said, rip off a bugle. And uh, I bugled and from that moment on, I was hooked. I mean, we had three different bugles, one to the east, one to the west, and one to the north. And it was it was one of the coolest experiences ever. And we just looked at each other there for a second and he just saw my face light up. I saw his face light up and he said, all right, now let's go kill a bull. And fast forward four hours later, he, you know, he whacked this bull and I got to see it all. And, it was right next to this huge rock on the mountainside, and he just had the biggest, the biggest smile I've ever seen him smile on his face. And I took a picture of that moment because I've never seen him, you know, so happy and in a, on a high on the mountainside like that. It was, it was truly special to see his face light up, and you know, from that moment on, I knew, I knew it wasn't. You know, it wasn't just about the animal. It wasn't, you know, it, it was it was about the the adventure, the moment. Everything leading up to that had paid off, and I knew how special that was to him. You know, the journey getting there. It's it, you know, yeah, it's about the big rack and stuff like that. Points are cool, but it, it's more about the story on how you got there and got to that moment that makes it so rewarding and, and so special. Well, I've known Zach for about 18 years now. Um, met back in uh, the old UW Marinette Community College. Uh, back at the time, I was just getting into bow hunting and uh, was just learning learning everything from scratch since I didn't know anything about hunting. We kind of met fishing. We used to go walleye fishing together down on the Nominee River during the walleye run. And one, one story I have for that is uh, I remember one time we were down there fishing and I actually had a walleye on and my hook came loose right as I was coming to shore and I got hooked in the eyelid. And thankfully Zach was standing right there and you know, we went went up to the truck and he's looking at it and he's like, dude, I think you need to go to the ER. And you know, not two minutes after he said that, this guy comes walking up and he's like, hey, I'm, a, I'm an off-duty EMT. Can I help you guys out? <laughs> so, uh, so he proceeded to clip the end of the barb on the hook, pull it out of my eyelid. And then he's like, yeah, I think you're good. And then Zach's like, all right, well, let's go fishing. We're going right back down to fishing. I have known Zach for probably over 15 years. In 2012, it was one of those legendary years for everybody where uh, Matt Mackey had shot a really nice buck. Eric Kaczynski shot one. Becky shot one. Jonathan shot one. Uh, even Rodney shot one, pulled one out of nowhere. Uh, but Zach kicked it off. He shot a really nice deer on the first day of season. And 
I laughed because I, I ended the season uh, shooting a really nice drop time. I think Zach edged me out uh, by one inch in our bow hunting contest. But the following year was really where we got uh, connected and got to know each other much better. Him and I took a trip down to Kansas uh, to do a rifle hunt together. And uh, we listened to uh, Kevin Hart uh, laugh at my pain the whole way down to Kansas. And uh, I know that we listened to that whole show more than one different time. And to this day, we still laugh about it. Everywhere we go, uh, we're always talking about the money and how we don't have enough money in our savings and it's all wrapped up in our checking. And it's gonna take three business days to get the money transferred from our savings to our checking. So it's always a fight on who's gonna pay, how you're gonna pay. Nobody has enough money to do anything because of the way that our bank accounts are set up. Uh, always laughing about, about those good times. And, uh, and that's never gonna change. So Zach's had a nice buck, uh, all is good. We learned a lot about each other and, and how we each like to hunt and uh, have a, a ton of respect for, for how each other hunts and how successful we've each been, uh, how we are as, as people and as parents and, um, and as individuals. So a, a blessing to have been able to spend that time with him, that's for sure. Well, four or five years ago, uh, Zach, asked me if I wanted to be his partner on this fishing trip. Um, we've got a group of guys from where we're from that go up to Canada every year and fish this lake that they've gone to for like 30 years, family members have. And um, so I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I'll come with you this year. So we get up there, and I never fished some of the ways some of these guys have, and they kind of just drag, troll slowly. It's like, you guys aren't even jigging. You're just kind of like sitting there doing nothing. And we're just laughing. I look over at Zach. I go, can we go somewhere and go start jigging or catching more fish? And this guy, he starts laughing. He's like, I'll, I'll decide. And he hammers on the motor and takes off. So we go to another spot. We were fishing this channel where these guys have fished again forever. And uh, everybody's too proud to use a bobber. Nobody will use bobbers. So Zach and I anchor up, crank up the country music, and we, we start using bobbers. And we're going 10 to 1 on these guys per fish but they're too proud to use a bobber and they're parked right next to us like multiple boats finally a couple guys get so ticked off they just take off and i go do we upset anybody he goes ah i'm not for everybody i'll decide <laughs> so we just keep we just keep fishing and hammering these walleyes and it, i've never caught that many walleyes in a row on slip bobbers um so the sun starts dropping down and uh zach uh, has a couple glow-in-the-dark bobbers well, now the fun really begins because we're, we're just sitting there relaxed, laughing, telling joke after joke, and cast out behind the boat. Oh, the glow-in-the-dark bobber goes under the water. And just, you know, think of yourself even as a little kid watching a bobber go under. But when it's glowing at night and it goes under and you're catching 26, 27, 28, 25-inch walleyes one after another. So it was just, it was one of the best walleye experiences I've ever had and probably one of the best fishing trips I've ever been on just for the experience of how relaxing it was. We were camping. Um, it was extremely, <laughs> I don't know, hard, hard to say in words as far as just being peaceful, no cell service. And uh, we got back to camp and nobody was like thrilled. <laughs> to say. They were too proud. They were too proud to use a bobber. So uh, we started nicknaming ourselves the Bobber Boys and uh, making t-shirts up, 
and uh, it was just it was just a trip. But yeah, we got back to the fireplace and telling stories, and they're like, oh, okay, finally a few people were like, well, what was the biggest one you caught? And I was like, well, I don't know, Zach. What do you think? Was it that twenty-seven, that twenty-eight, or that twenty-eight and a half you caught? <laughs> And the whole fireplace is just quiet, just, just burning. <laughs> uh, never be, never be too proud to use a device to catch a fish. Just, just enjoy the experience, and uh, especially who's sitting next to you on the boat. And yeah, that was that was a fantastic trip we had together. One of Zach's qualities or traits is his perseverance. It's unmatched compared to most people. No matter how bad things got with the cancer he always pushed on and and kept his will to live and his positive attitude and outlook on life he just you know the doctors gave him two days to live and here we are almost five weeks out from that date and he's still doing the things he loved and and uh he's just really he's just got a strong fight to live and persevering through all the challenges that cancer has brought him and uh one of the most recent memories that I have with him is we went fishing on the St. Louis River and it was not easy for Zach to get out there as he's on oxygen and you know he definitely has abdominal pain chest pain and uh you know you could just see it in his face he just loved being out there and it was you can ask Zach this too it was just a magical day on the water as he caught three giant walleyes back to back on a lure that I had painted at 10 o'clock the night before. So that was a pretty special experience for both of us. And, you know, generally when you're fishing for those bigger fish too, they, they fall off, but every single one stayed pinned until we got it in the net. It was truly uh, an amazing experience for both of us and just seeing the smile on his face and we high-fived and it was a it was a pretty pretty special moment for both of us because you know we thought three weeks or two weeks prior we were never gonna be able to fish again so that was kind of the icing on the cake you know like I said I didn't really know anything about hunting I was just getting into it and I could just tell his his love for hunting along with his drive and dedication um, it's really set with me and it's really helped me become a better hunter. Um, I will say he's definitely the most consistent hunter I know of when it comes to finding and harvesting, you know, mature bucks year after year after year. And I can only re I can remember maybe one season that he didn't shoot one, and you know that was just kind of a fluke because he always gets one. It's like, you know, at some point during the season you're gonna get a text or call from him, you know, BBD. And it's just it's just awesome to hear his stories and what he did and how he found them and you know I can't tell you how many deer I helped him drag out I would go up there every season to hunt with them and you know I don't think we ever drugged too many of mine out but it was always fun helping him drag his out <laughs> but no Zach he's just a he's a great guy he's always been a great friend to me and you know he'll I, I consider him more of a brother than I do as a friend and you know I just can't say enough good things about him and his family being Zach's uncle I have had a front row seat watching Zach grow up. Zach's father, Matt, my oldest brother, and taught Zach and I both about the outdoors. I watched Zach as a toddler, pulling northern pike through the ice with his dad. I watched him shoot chipmunks off the back porch of his childhood home. 
that grew up in the woods and in a trout stream. And we can't forget about the countless fishing trips in his dad's puppy fishing boat. I have spent a considerable amount of time with Zach in the outdoors. We have dragged out a lot of deer together. As much as I would love to take credit for his success, I can't. Zach, to be honest, the teacher has become the apprentice. He has taken whitetail hunting to another level. Zach has unbelievable skills in the woods. Zach has shot multiple big bucks all over Douglas County. This is not farm country or Buffalo County where you sit in the same tree year after year and shoot the big bucks that live on the farm. Zach scouts and walks the big woods of Douglas County, earning every buck he has shot. I have 203 stories I could tell you about this young man, but my time is limited. So to all Zach's hunting buddies listening to this podcast, when Zach size 14 boots can't walk into the woods anymore, as a collective group, we need to make sure that the three young children know about the outdoors because his blood runs in those kids' veins and they will be a force to be reckoned with. Zach, like your father who also fought cancer, you have been an inspiration on in how you have dealt with this. Get busy living or get busy dying. We all know what your choice has been. I love you from the bottom of my heart, kiddo. Well, hope you enjoyed it. What a crazy story. All the best to Zach and his family and friends. What great people. People that uh, anybody would be lucky to have in their lives. Zach, we are so inspired by your story. Keep on fighting, buddy. And to anyone listening in, once again, if you need an encouraging word, you can always reach out. Be happy to help any way I can. And uh, Zach would too, I'm sure, as he said in the episode. So, uh, it's a long, it's been kind of a long one. It's a special project. Probably never have another episode quite like this one again, but man, what a, what a privilege it was for me to be able to play a small part in this. And, um, uh, just humbled by the opportunity, humbled by you guys for listening in and until next time, everyone take care of each other and take someone hunting. Mm-hmm.